Hi, my name's Jamie O'Hara, and you're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. Welcome to NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards. Hope you are having a great week. Sun is shining, so what a better way than to look at some National League action. Joining me, we are going to look at who had a fantastic week and you had a bad day at the office. Uh, I might come to you last this week. Rob, I know you moan about me coming last year, but I think you'll be appreciated this week. It's Rob Laurel. Hello, Rob. Good, apparently. Morning. <laughs> More on that later. And also joining us is Dickie. Good morning, Dickie. Hello, good to see you. Yeah, uh, sun reflecting off my face here. Yeah, the spring's on the way. <laughs> yeah, so listeners is the smile. There's a spring in Dickie's step, we'll get onto that later on, but we're going to look at the National League as always. And Stockport County remain top, but boy, did they have a scare against Wheelstone? It was, uh, well, I think when everyone looked at half time and went, wow, where's that come from? They were 2 0 down at half time. Wheelstone, Scott Quigley got taken off after 38 minutes as well. They were leading through Wheelstone were leading through Jack Cook and Aaron Henry but Stockport with all the firepower you couldn't keep them quiet for long both Paddy Madden Ryan Johnson Ash Palmer and Anthony Sarsovic in the last minute completed a 4-2 turnaround for Stockport Rob that is the that is the stuff of champions 2-0 down at home against Wheelstone to come back and blow them away second half yeah they um you know, they've been racking up win after win, haven't they? Things have been going their way. They've been scoring the first goal and seeing games out or building on those leads. And then all of a sudden, a, a different kind of test and Wheelstone coming up under the radar. I remember having a chat pre-match with Chris yesterday uh, and saying, you know what, I think Wheelstone are probably the right sort of opposition for you right now. You know, they're not fighting against relegation anymore. They're, they're certainly not going to be involved at the other end. This is the kind of opposition you want at this stage. Well, that went out the window, didn't it? 1-0, I saw, and then 2-0. Um, oh, to have been a fly on the wall in the dressing room at half-time to, to see how Dave Challenger approached it. Was, you know, was, was, it shouting match, was it a shouting match or, you know, did he stay calm? My goodness me, got a tune out of them in the second half, though, and that was a brilliant turnaround. And as you say, another test, a different kind of test and the sort of test that champions come through and Stockport did with flying colours in the end. We're going to hear now the thoughts of Wheelstone manager Stuart Maynard. He caught up with Chris after the game. So thanks for joining us, Stuart, at the end of the match. I mean, well, it was a roller coaster for everyone here. Was it a roller coaster for you? No, we kind of knew in the second half they'd come strong. They did it at our place. Uh, we got in at 1 0 down at our place and come in the second half. Once it got to the 60th minute, the athleticism and the quality, they just showed it. And, and same again today. Uh, we competed again. The penalty, you know, you want to see it again on the video to see whether it was a blatant handball or whether it's come off his head. Eight minutes into the game, you concede, you give them the ascendancy to, to really put the pressure on, and they did. And we, we've got a young group, and I said to the lads, you've got to come away. That's the level that we, you boys need to aim to. If you want to have careers in the game, you need to aim to get to that level. For me, they're going to win the league. They're the best team we've played by a million miles. And you're one of the only teams that's come here in the last couple of months and really uh, came at County as well in that first half. And... Every time the ball was being played into feet, you were behind them and you got your tactics right in that first half, didn't you? Yeah, we, we knew that we kind of needed a lead going into the second half, so 
the lads put a hell of a shift in in that first half. Probably 90 minutes worth of work into one half because when you have the quality the county have, you know, you have to, you have to. You can't leave any gaps open. You've got to stop crosses. And I think the lads, they should be proud of themselves, but that's the level they've got to get to. And us as a management team, that's the level we want our teams to get to, you know. But it's frustrating because at the minute it's very raw. But I think when we come back and we reflect back on the game, they had a few chances they started the first half really well and we got a f- few blocks in and stuff like that and then we could have scored a couple so it could have gone either way but look they're a top top team and he's a top manager look he's done it before and he's doing it again and they will they'll win the league and I think they'll go again I honestly think they'll probably win league two again uh, they've got that much quality within the squad already and for yourselves are you looking at trying to get a top half finish now I mean the performance today must give you encouragement parts of that performance that, that you can you can push for that that top half Look, I think our, the biggest thing for us as a group, our performance levels all season, bar probably f- two or three 45 minutes where the standards haven't been good enough and the lads know that. But other than that, our performance levels have been really good. Uh, both boxes is where games are won. It's a, it's a penalty. It's a set piece, which they've scored from today to, to get it to 2-2. Uh, so, look, it's something that we've got to keep working on. But we're a young we're a young group and, you know, when you're part-time, like we've had... We had two and a half hours this week to prep for this game so that's, that's they're the little minor details that you know that are massive so but look we'll keep going look we want to finish as high as we can up in the league we've got a points total that we're, we're aiming to get to and if we get to it I think we've had a really successful season look I think we're punching way above our weight uh, we're probably a top 10 national league south side really uh, but the lads have really bought into what we want from them and when you get that uh, it's incredible and our fans today they've come home and away with us they're loud like there's seven and a half eight thousand county fans in you can still hear them and They've been like that for us away every game this season. So like, it's a huge credit for them to keep digging deep in their pockets and keep travelling away from home with us. And that was Stuart Maynard and Dickie you've seen Wheelstone this year at Notts County. And you can give the big teams a run for the money, can't they? Yeah, they can. Um, I think the way they choose to go about things is, you know, they've, they've, um, they've not come in this division just to, to park the bus. And uh, and try to just grimly hold on. They do go out and, and have a go at teams. Um, and you know they getting into a team lead yesterday. I mean, I saw that half-time screenshot of it and was going to share it with you all. I'm sure you all knew about the score. But I mean, the thought that went through my head at the time was my first thought was go and look straight at the Wrexham score and see how that's going because obviously with the situation at the top um, and with them being goalless with Bromley at half-time. I don't know whether they would have been aware of the Stockport score, but, you know, you think of yourself, if it stays the way it did at Edgeley Park and Wrexham could have uh, have snuck something at Bromley, you know, that that's the gap closed even even more. But, yeah, at the end of it, um, we've ended up with Stockport actually extending their lead at the top. So it just goes to show you, doesn't it? Uh, but that, that, that's a... You know, they've, they've blown Wheelston away in the second half there. Uh, two goals from defenders as well in Johnson and Palmer, everybody weighing in. Um, I wouldn't say stop. I, I'm not going to use the term unstoppable, but it's going to take something special to, to not stop off, I would say. Yeah, they are now nine points clear of Wrexham. As you mentioned, Vicky, uh, Wrexham were nil-nil at Bromley. It was nil-nil at half-time and that's how it finished as well. And uh, a welcome result for Bromley, who've... Not one now in the last five, but the, uh, they're on a sticky run. They look like they may well miss out on the playoffs now. But for Wrexham, uh, a bit of a blow that one, albeit they have got games in hand on both Stockport and Chesterfield. So obviously they'll look to target those games now, but maybe, I don't know how Wrexham will view it, whether it's a good point or not for them. 
Yeah, I don't know. I think I think we'll only know when we get to the end of the season, won't we? You know, Wrexham might look at that one yesterday and rue that. But you know, there are other games in the season. We, you know, the the, the very first game that Ryan Reynolds attended, you know, losing three two down at, at Maidenhead. There are points all the way through the season where you can point at it and say, you know, that might be the points we dropped that cost us something. Um, it potentially, that was a, a practice run for a potential FA Trophy final as well, like yesterday, Bromley Rex. And if it, if it does turn out to be the FA Trophy final, let's hope it's a little bit better than the goalless draw at Wembley. Um, but yeah, that is an important point for Bromley. That should just give them a little bit of, you know, confidence that they've held a Wrexham team who, who are going well. Um, but you kind of look and go that that is the kind of result that Wrexham have been prone to throw in a little bit this season. You know, whereas Stockport look pretty remorseless and relentless and just keep on picking up the wins, there's just something about Wrexham that says every now and again they're going to throw in a slightly underwhelming result. And, and I think that's what makes me feel that it's Stockport's to lose. Yeah, Chesterfield there in second place. They it took on Maidenhead and they'll have bad memories of Maidenhead this season. Of course, they lost there earlier in the season and then James Rowe left the club shortly after. So maybe they felt like the old Maidenhead won there and eventually won the game by a goal to nil in the second half. A goal through Aquasi Asante. The thing that stands out for me, Rob, is Chesterfield have 12 draws. That's the most in the division this year and yet still second. So... And we're talking about really missed opportunities. If you're a Chesterfield fan, if you'd have turned, what, half of those draws into wins, they'd be challenging Stockport really, really closely now, wouldn't they? Yeah, they would. And I think we know, don't we, we can probably recount five or six without trying too hard of where they've been in the lead in those matches as well and, and been pegged back. And that is something that they'll be needing to, to, to improve on going forward. But equally, um, that... Is a fantastic day. You know, yesterday they found a way to win in what could have easily ended up being a nil-nil against Maidenhead. And uh, uh, this, we, we talk about this league being so hard to predict. It very often is. Uh, I do a, a, a prediction league, I think I've referred to a couple of times. This is one I did get right. I, I knew it's a banana skin for Chesterfield, but I thought that they'd make themselves dogged, hard to break down, that they'd probably be knocking on the door a little bit more than Maidenhead, and that they were well capable of finding a clean sheet if they could find a goal and they got it. And do you know what? By hook or by cook, excuse the pun, they're staying in that race, aren't they? You know, I, we talked about the, the turmoil there and the change and everything, but the points have kept coming, haven't they? One way or another, uh, more often than not, and they're still in it. And, uh, you know, from, from Chesterfield fans feeling that the whole world had caved in a month ago, it's not as bad as it could be, is it? Well, I mean, it's funny we talked about they've got the most draws in the division. They've also got the least defeats in the division, only four defeats all season. And, and talking of another team who haven't lost many, Halifax, they haven't drawn many either, but they have won 20 games. Only Stockport have won more games than them. And it was vital that Chesterfield did get that win because Halifax won 2-0 against Torquay, which means they're level on points with Chesterfield. Chesterfield the second courtesy of goal difference. And they're now four points clear of Wrexham in. We say it every week. We've got to take our hat off to Pete Wilde, haven't we? Yeah, he's. Um, he, I think particularly. I don't have the, the stats in front of me, but I think particularly the recent run of Halifax—they've really been stacking up the three points, haven't they? And 
you know, they've forced their way into our discussions for the title race, not just the playoff race, which, you know, we, uh, you know, as you might have been feeling quite smart thinking, you know what, I think Halifax will nip under the radar again and they'll squeeze in the playoffs. We can't, we can't just allow ourselves only that thought anymore. They, they can't be written off in the title race. And I, I don't think they'll win it. Don't get me wrong, but who's to say they don't end up pushing for that second or third position uh, and one home tie to get to the final? Pete Wilder has obviously, uh, you know, experienced the playoffs and he's experienced the heartache. And the players that have been with him for a couple of years will have done. But my goodness me, they'll be better for the experience. And um, it continues to confound me just how good they are. I won't get to see them again until I think it's the, the, the last away match of the season, something like the 7th of May uh, for Aldershot. But I think we already know, don't we, on that final day of the season, uh, isn't it um, Halifax and Stockport or Stockport and Halifax that day? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. We'll uh, watch, it, watch this space. But if that is the case, that, well... You'd assume by then, the way, if the points tally stays, they are that Stockport will be champions. But yeah, it might be a case of Halifax need to win that to secure an all-important home tie in the playoffs and only one game as well, rather than having super playoff eliminators, whatever it's called, and, uh, <laughs> and see if you yeah, can get and, and one, that. And one little point just to add, something that I didn't realise, but uh, I picked up somewhere yesterday, that... Um, you know, we're talking about his Stockport's to lose now and they've got that really nice lead for this stage of the season. But in their camp, they may well have been saying that's the way they've got to do it because they do have a really tough run in Stockport. They're playing, I think it's three or four of the other playoff or title challenges in the final five or six games. So they do have a really, really tough finale. And those extra points they've got in the bank might well come into play and I think for the Stockport fans they'll want it done and they'll want it done as soon as possible but for everybody else for all the neutrals for all the fans of others that have been enjoying this title race that's actually had so many teams in it um, I guess there is a desire for maybe them to slip up a bit here and there just so the, the this exciting title race continues to the wire yeah absolutely and um I think it's between, would you say it's between Stockport, Chesterfield and Halifax for the title now? Or would you throw Wrexham in there as well? Oh, 100% wouldn't rule Wrexham out. Uh, 100%. I'm not, look, you know, I'm not looking at the table as we're speaking, but um, I, um, you know, just from memory alone and looking at yesterday's results, I think you, you've definitely got to include all four still at this point, even though, you know, if you were slicing up the pie of what percentage chance they had, Stockport would uh, would still be probably around 55-60% chance of winning this title now and the other three, the other 45% between them. So below them, we have got Solihull and Boreham Wood. Solihull had a really... He had a really entertaining game against Eastleigh. They were 3-0 up after 40 minutes. Joe Tabara with a couple there. Callum Howe with another as well. Brett Pittman got a goal back just before half-time. Jake Hesketh made it 3-2, but then Sabara got his hat-trick to make it 4-2. Danny Whitehall got a third to make it 4-3. But then in the last minute, Danny Newton made it safe in the 93rd minute to make it 5-3. And uh, you certainly got your money's worth, didn't you, Dickie, at that game? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, 
it was it was a game. Uh, it was one I looked at beforehand, and yeah, I I thought that would be a solid victory, but I don't think I'd have predicted it. You know, to to come in an eight goal thriller. To be perfectly honest, I mean, give some credit to Eastley there for you know a fight back of sorts. You know, getting back to three two after being three nil down. I, things aren't going brilliantly for Eastley at the moment, um, but yeah, ultimately Solihull have have come through. Uh, got the job done, you know, and and Sabar is such a great talent, isn't he? You know, I, I think he was um, named in that England C squad. So whether we're going to get to see him play uh, in a week or so's time, but I've seen him on a number of occasions. Just he's so quick um, uh, and so tricky. You know, he, he's a, he's a real talent. You know, there've been people talking about you know whether Wrexham uh, were interested in in taking him. I would suggest it would take a pretty serious bid to get Joe Sabaro away from Solihull because he's he's one of the jewels in their crown, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, he's just proved it again yesterday with 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 three goals. Bournemouth, well, they do nil nil against Grimsby. That's now five games without a win, and I know there are during the sort of England sea break the uh, Bournemouth. Chairman is paid for him to go to Dubai, and maybe that break is, is what they need, isn't it? Just to get away a bit of team bonding as well, get away from all the spotlight, and also, and almost have it as a, as a reset for them. Yeah, I think with Boreham Wood, because of the games in hand they had and the terrific run that they were on, we were forced to consider them as also being in the title race, and then they've. Uh, Hit the buffers a little bit, haven't they? You know, that fantastic defensive record's taken a little bit of a hit, uh, particularly at the hands of, uh, of one club in Wrexham. But um, but they're very, very, very much part of the playoff run, and that's something that uh, Luke Garrard is used to in kind of, what, three of the four seasons he's been uh, managing Borenwood at that level. Forgive me, Borenwood fans, if it's five seasons, but I think it's, it's around about four or five. Um, just the one season where they were struggling um, in the wrong end of the table. But uh, no, I think it will. It'll allow them to um, physically and mentally refresh, reset, uh, and begin again their runs of one. Absolutely, yeah. The run of one, as Luke Garrard likes to call it. And uh, yeah, that's all, that's all they need, really. Further down the table, Dagenham and Redbridge, inconsistent Dagenham and Redbridge. They lost at home to Notts County. Now, occupy that last playoff place. Notts County got stuffed 4-0 at Stockport County midweek, as we mentioned in our midweek pod special. Make sure you, you listen to that. Myself and Dickie rounded up the results there. And Notts County did fall behind to Dagenham. Junior Marais opened the score in five minutes for Alex Lacey equalised on the half-hour mark. But it was an own goal from Will Wright, which gave Notts County the... Three points. That was in the 65th minute. And funny side at the minute, aren't they? Not counted. I mean, that's their first win in five games, but they'll, they'll either go on a little run and lose a couple. And the fans don't know what they're going to get off them at the minute, do they? No, they don't. I mean, you spoke about Dagenham and Redbridge and, and called them inconsistent. And, you know, Notts County are, are no different. It was a meeting of two inconsistent sides yesterday. So this was, you know, such a difficult one to call um, a really much needed win for Notts County, given that the run that they've been on, they've, they've had a boost this week by um, acquiring Harry Arter on loan from Neighbours Nottingham Forest for the rest of the season, which is a real um, 
boost for them. And, and it, I dare I say it's it's another one of those type of signings, which is a boost to the league overall. You know, you see a player who's been playing, he was playing Premier League football not that long ago with Bournemouth, I think it was. Mm. Um, and he's, you know, prepared to come and play in the National League um, uh, at Notts County. And, and, and that gives the league some added exposure. But of course, that's not what Notts County brought him in for. Notts County brought him in to make a difference to their results. And um, he did pick up a yellow card yesterday, but, you know, a, a nice boost for them in getting that win away at Dagenham. That's a real coup for the National League. That I, um, you know, my poor son, elder son who lives with me, is used to hearing me prattle on about National League stuff. And I can cut some of, some of it goes in one ear and out the other. But his ears pricked up when I told him that. He had to double check. He said, what, that Harry Arter? You know, has uh, joined uh, Notts County, and um, it was a bit of a surprise, wasn't it? Because he is a name that you associate with the top level, the name that you associate with the top level of, of football. You know, quite recently. So, um, and there's a saying, isn't there? You know, when you're on the run, you're in the challenge that Notts County are in. It's like if you're going to bring a player in, bring a player in that's going to improve you. Well, I don't think there's too much doubt about that one in this case, is there? Absolutely not. In terms of Dagenham, Rob, I know me and Dicky said on Tuesday uh, we thought we'd ruled them out too early because they went on a run, but then they've lost again now. They are now five points off the playoffs. So is it a case of that recent run up until Saturday? Uh, we can still say maybe we can't rule them out of that last playoff spot. Yeah, it's a good question because I definitely fell in the trap two or three weeks ago of writing them off. And then I think they won three back-to-back, didn't they? And, it, mm. and we know what a difference that can make. And, and so we probably need to be wary of that now. Uh, their, their playoff hopes definitely took a blow yesterday. And it's not so much just about what sort of run will they put together in the home straight. But, you know, how many points will they need? Do you remember last season where uh, Bromley sacked or parted company with Neil Smith when they're in seventh place and then Andy Woodman came in and put Bromley on a terrific run to the end of the season just to finish seventh just to stay where they were and I think that's the probably the biggest reason for me why Dagenham and Redbridge won't make it and that's because the sheer number of teams that are fighting that they're not all going to slip up you know you look at that current top nine then there will be a couple of teams in there who won't have a great finish to the season now. They'll be the two teams out of those nine that don't make the playoffs. And, um, you know, the, the likelihood is that each of their results will drive the standards up in others and it'll be an almighty scramble. And do you also remember, Ben, that, you know, the now departed, of course, Ben Strevens, the run that he took Eastley on, which was, you would have said from where they were, was more than deserving of a playoff place. But he said he completely miscalculated how many points they would need to actually make the playoffs. And they fell short in the end, didn't they? Just shy. And it was a uh, heartache for, for Strevin to Breesley. But that, they, that, that, that for me, sorry if it's a bit labour, but that for me is, is the reason why I, I think realistically it's, it's, it's not going to happen for Dagenham and Redbridge or Torquay, of course, you know, um, lost yesterday as well. Hmm. Yeah, I think we can rule. I think we can rule Torquay out and Southend. I think that defeat midweek ruled them out. Although they bounced back with a two 0 win over Altrincham, who've been on a decent run themselves. Uh, but we're going to move down to the bottom and 
I wouldn't say it's getting interesting yet at the bottom, but certainly uh, there were some cats thrown uh, amongst the pigeons. Weymouth didn't play yesterday. All the shots upon Kingsland, didn't you, Robin? I've not come quite last year because there's some mid-table games which I'm going to talk about, but significantly it was a massive boost that for Kingsland, wasn't it? And I know you don't want to talk about it, but I'll let you I'll let you rant away anyway. But uh, yeah, off you go, Rob. Well, look, let's look at it, first of all, from Kingsland's point of view. A fantastic result for them, a 3-0 win away on the road. Um, you know, and uh, you look at their situation, and it's the least likely of the teams in the bottom three. We know that, that Dover are, you know, mathematically, I think, even now, can't stay up. And, uh, and, and, and Weymouth, you know, have gap that they've got but Kingsley you could almost write off and they're going to need a phenomenal run of results they're going to need to win sort of eight of the last 12 or something probably to to stay up but but and it's a big but they got a huge momentum boosting win at Aldershot yesterday um the funny thing was the ironic thing was we talked last week on the podcast about the wretched luck that Kingsley have had with key moments with decisions. And all their Christmases came at once yesterday. I am not saying for one minute that they didn't deserve the win. They did. But they personally got away with two big, big penalty shouts, one of which, ironically, was for handball. Um, right on half-time, as Cody Lyons Foster went to try and head one in the far post and a hand came up in front of him and steered it, steered it away. Uh, somehow, the assistant referee and the referee um, it was a very good referee, actually, on the day. James Durkin didn't notice it. Um, and they also survived an incredible moment, which I don't know if it will make the highlights. Hopefully it does. In the 17th minute, Aldershot, who just started, by the way, like a house on fire. Finally, that team going forward, taking the team on. Uh, and, a, and a massive triple chance where uh, Daniel cut inside, showed composure with his right foot, lifted a shot, passed the keeper and onto the crossbar. Then waiting three or four yards out just for it to come down and just tap it into the empty net. Harry Pagliati somehow managed to put his shot into the ground and it bounced up onto the crossbar and came out again. And then following up, I think Ryan Glover tried to steer it in, but a defender got back in and blocked it. It was the most incredible triple chance I can ever remember. You literally thought on all three occasions the ball was going to go in the net. And then three minutes later, Kingsland uh, scored their first goal and, and they went on to win it relatively comfortably. All the shot were pushing hard at the end, 2-0 down and, and, and Kingsland, you know, broke away and, and, and got a third. Uh, Malachi Linton got two of the goals. He also made uh, the final goal with a lovely chipped cross for Gold Amatayo, who'd worked really, really hard and, and got a deserved goal at the end. It was a wretched day at the office for all the shot. To be honest, there were actually in, early on in the match some green shoots and he thought this looked a bit better. You know, they're constructing a few attacks, they're creating a few chances, but they couldn't finish them. Kings didn't finish theirs and Aldershot have missed a massive opportunity to pull themselves that little bit further clear of trouble. And, and they're looking over their shoulders again now and wondering, and uh, listen, there's enough games left, isn't there? 10, 11, 12 games for most teams. They are not safe. Um, and that was only compounded by yesterday's result. Yeah, and we mentioned about Steve Cleave last week tweeting about 
refereeing decisions and, and, and was he right to do that? I mean, I don't know if you tweeted yesterday about the decision for him or not, but uh, Rob caught up with the Kings Lynn chairman and had a chat with him. I'm joined by the Kings Lynn chairman, Stephen Cleave. Stephen, we spoke up um, towards the end of last season, I think, uh, as you're about to go full-time. It's obviously been a difficult and a challenging season and, and I know you've bemoaned your luck at times and decision, but you must be really, really pleased with the 3-0 win at Aldershot and things did go your way today. Yeah, I have to admit, they went our way today and Aldershot's a tough place to come. I mean, any away ground in this league is a tough place to go, but it, this was a six-pointer for us and we had to win it to have any chance of being able to remain in this division, which, which, which we spent a long time trying to get into. But, you know, the first 15, 20 minutes, I was a little bit worried about our lack of desire, passion, and etc. And obviously Aldershot had their moments where they hit the bar a couple of times, as you mentioned earlier, and um, they, they had a couple of other chances, but they just couldn't seem to get the balls on target today, and we did. So it's, it's one of those rare occasions where I've got a smile on my face at the end of a football match. It was a must-win game for Kingsley, and you directly reduced the gap to safety to 10 points. It's still huge, isn't it? And not enough games to go, but you've got to start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's 10 points, as you say. It, it, there's a lot of twists and turns to come. Um, the odds are that we're not going to make it. The odds, the betting odds, would, 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 I'm sure, would, would, would reflect that. But equally, I think... You never know in football. There's still 11 games to go, I believe. And But the reality is, um, you've got to start somewhere. And, and who knows? Because we went to Grimsby and got a point. If we were to get something on Tuesday and stop Port, then maybe you could start to believe. So yeah. this gives us a chance to carry that on. If we hadn't won today, then yeah. I think we couldn't. That's it. So... <laughs> But you're a passionate man. You wear your heart mm. on your sleeve. And I know you're, you're not backward in coming forward when you feel strongly and passionately yeah. about stuff. And we had a little debate on the podcast last week. I don't know if you caught it, but it was about that. And uh, and, and I just wanted to get your opinion on it. You know, when things don't go right, you, you prefer to call it out. Others would probably go away and just drop their head and, and, and quietly sort of sulk. But, you know, you, you believe in fair play, don't you? You don't think you've had it this season? No, I mean, I, I, look... I, I, I can take a bad decision or two. There's one or two decisions today that didn't go, but that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But the problem is, if uh, th- those three chances or those three decisions, and there were more decisions than that than I put out against against Torquay, any, I sent it to a couple of my friends who I, w- I would say are Switzerland. They're very neutral. And I said, what do you think? Don't don't, don't, don't give me yeah. well one here. And they said, I'd be upset if any one of those decisions wasn't given. Not, not, yeah. And to have all three, one of them said it was criminal. So I actually feel, and then another, I won't say who, but a National League South club said they had the same problem with the same referee. Yeah. So it does happen. And I think... What, why, why is this happening? And there have been so many times where we've had so much bad luck that there has, to, at some point, you're putting it out there. And I'm, not, I'm not wanting to completely kill the rest because I understand mm, they have a hard yeah. job. But, but equally, we should expect a reasonable standard of refereeing mm. from our perspective. And to be, all I'm asking is to get the decisions, the big decisions, right. And, uh, and the decision that upset me so much against Torquay was he, the, the, the fourth official, to his credit, put, it, put his flag in the air, or hand in the air. The referee came over, he told him it was offside, and the referee said it was still giving the goal. So what is the point that when the fourth official does then do it then he still doesn't give it so that's where I get frustrated beyond. Yeah. and where do you go with that frustration so you just put it out and say look come on give us a break you know, someone's got to give us a break yeah. so anyway but maybe I shouldn't maybe the sensible <laughs> option is to yeah, I'm not saying I'm going in the correct way about it but, yeah. I, but it was just yeah that's it but, but I'm not doing it every week it's just yeah. that sometimes when it's just too much you think that's just not right and someone needs to do something about this fair enough and mm. a final question from me how difficult is it for you uh, as the leader of the club to think ahead to make decisions for next season when you don't know what division you're going to be in and a sub, sub, supplementary question to that if you do go down as the the odds would have likely will you review being a full-time club or not it's a good question and it's one i can't answer and i don't like being a politician so i love to give straight answers but this is the point uh, i'm meeting my manager on friday to discuss mm. next season so if you'd ask me ne- next next saturday i'll be able to tell you a lot more but but my view is we've got seven eight nine players who are on contracts put on by the previous manager which are full-time contracts so that is a that consideration leads, yeah. Yeah, yeah um and 
we equally want to get up again if we do go down. We don't want to hang around there, mm. but it's a very difficult league to get out of, especially the National League North, where we're certainly going to get put into, I'm sure. So the reality is I will take the manager's advice on what to do and, 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 and we'll go with whatever decision he wants. Mm. But my view is we'll probably roll the dice for one more season and try and, and stay full-time. York City are full-time. Um, Fylde are probably, I'm guessing, full-time. Yeah. So there's probably a few full-time clubs there. So if you want to be in the mix, I think full-time is probably what you need to be. And that was Stephen Cleave. And it is interesting, down at the bottom, as we mentioned, Maidenhead are on a horrendous run at the minute. They're only four points clear of Aldershot, so Aldershot can certainly drag them in closer. In other results, Barnett, they lost 1-0 at home to resurgent at Woking. They've got back-to-back wins now, Woking. A fantastic result for them. And as we mentioned, Yeovil, they won 2-0 against Dover. Dover officially and mathematically relegated now. Just a quick point on Woking. A word to the good for Ian Dyer, who's inherited, a, you know, the caretaker management of Woking at the moment. A really difficult time. The season's pretty much done. They've, they've probably got enough points to be safe. Um, there's clearly uh, a lack of direction from the top at, at Woking at the minute. They've, they've got to sort out their internal strife. Um, you know, key, key people at the club have left along with Alan Dowson. Um, but to motivate those players to go on the little mini run they're having to get seven points out of nine is to his credit. And I guess the longer that goes on, the, the more one or two people might start to say, well, hang on a minute, well, you know, should he have a chance of getting the job? Um, because I think he's, he's inherited the leadership of that team in the most difficult of circumstances, in the most uncertain of circumstances, um, with very, very little leadership. I'd love to know what's going on at Woking. And do you know what? It's not so much about when they're going to appoint a manager. It's who's actually steering that ship right now. Um, you know, it, it massively lacks direction. And somebody there needs to stand up and put their head above the parapet and start making some strategic decisions for that football club. Yeah, not, not such a dire run at the minute for Woking, which is ironic, really, because they've got a guy called Dyer in charge, but he's doing very, very well there. Let's move on and look at the National League South. And we've got a new leader in the National League South, haven't we, Rob? We certainly have. Uh, Maidstone went to informed Braintree and got the job done. And uh, they got it done in difficult circumstances as well. Jack Parham did give them the lead. But uh, Regan Booty was sent off, I think it was around about the hour mark. And then... Braintree got back level as well and, and it's ominous for, for Maidstone. But Barham found another goal. and I know from other guests we've had on here and from seeing his name crop up, he's uh, a pretty good striker at that level, isn't he? Uh, but I, you know, for the life of me, I rack my brains. I don't think that I've seen him play before. Maybe he's come off the bench at Barnet once or something. But uh, he's a player I've yet to feast my eyes on. But uh, he certainly knows where the goal is. Maidstone got the job done and uh, and Dorkin, of course, slipped up. Um, I say they slipped up. I mean, it'd be interesting to hear Tom's point of view. Obviously, he was there with Hampton and Richmond, but it was a two-all draw at Meadowbank. Um, Dorkin also uh, had players know, I, out with virus, didn't he? They had six players missing, didn't they, which, which might have contributed towards it. Yeah, the, the, the virus has swept through the club, which has just compounded the uh, adversity that, that they're facing. You know, I guess Mark White would say pretty much throughout this season, you know, and we already know that they've lost 
perhaps their two most potent players in Fryer and Briggs. Um, and they were also without the likes of uh, McShane. And, you know, and, and, and so I commented in the WhatsApp group and I said, what a time for Hampton and Richmond to go and play at Dawkins, you know, Tom, on Saturday. And of course, in the end of the day, it ended up with a two-all draw. Um, and I did catch some of Mark White's post-match where I think he said it's one that got away a little bit, really. Um, and he feels that, in his opinion, um, nine times out of ten, Dawkins would have won that match. But on the day, they didn't. And Hampton and Richmond got themselves a decent point, which adds to their sort of mini-revival that's um, certainly pulling them uh, away from any uh, slight relegation fears. Of course, only one team will go down and We'll look a little bit more closely at that fight down at the bottom end. But, uh, yeah, it's two points dropped for sure for, for Mark White's men. But they at least found a way to uh, to still keep the points tally moving yesterday. Yeah, Hampton, as you mentioned, uh, <clears throat> it's uh, been beaten out in their last four. Hartford failed to make any ground as well. They, they could only draw at home with Avent and Waterlooville, which... Wouldn't be surprised at really because Hamilton and Waterlooville have got a good squad. They've underwhelmed a little bit. They are creeping up the table now a little bit. They're into ninth position. They're still uh, a bit off. Well, they're only a point off the last playoff spot. They're eight points behind Eastbourne in sixth, but they're only a point now off Dulwich. And I think, did you call it a few weeks ago, Rob, about having they could be the one team that maybe jump in there? Yeah, definitely. And, and, and it'll be a complete reversal of expectations there now. And maybe that expectation burden weighed a little bit too heavy earlier in the season. And, and Doswell will obviously tell you that, um, you know, he had his adversity and, and, and big injury problems there as well. But just at the point where everybody's gone, wow, it's an underachievement. It hasn't happened for having a Waterloo build this season. All of a sudden, they're turning it round now. They're on a good little run of form. They've definitely got enough games left, enough time and, and, and a small enough points gap that they can still burst into those playoffs. And uh, who knows, they could be a really dangerous wounded animal coming into those playoffs, can't they? Because they were talked about as one of the three or four teams that were potentially going to be in the title race this season. And that's not going to happen now, but my goodness me, they could be a dangerous team in the playoffs. Just behind Dartford are uh, Ebbsfleet. They record for their defeat in midweek to win 1-0. St Albans, I know a team that you saw in midweek, Robert. It was Dominic Polion with the goal for Ebbsfleet. Oxford City, they had back-to-back defeats. They lost 3-1 at a team, Rob, that um, you saw win dramatically on Tuesday evening. And one sort of audio that we didn't do on uh, Tuesday in our little roundup. I know you had a, a chat with James Nathan before the game on Tuesday to get his thoughts on the season so far and what, what's likely to happen going forward. James, you've been a supporter of uh, Villaricky through thick and thin. There's been quite a lot of thin, I understand. But um, just how do we stand right now? We're what we're in the running. You're bottom of the league. That's yeah, fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but a really encouraging win on Saturday, 4-1 at Hungerford. Massively, massively encouraging. We've got to back it up. I think no one expected us to win there, let alone score four goals. So uh, we've got to take positives from it. We've got to back it up with another win. I have to say, if we can draw tonight and win Saturday, I'd be more than happy with that. But I think you've always got to go out to win. 
and uh, we were saying off air that uh, the top goal scorer competition at Villa Rick is quite similar to the one at Aldershot it's <laughs> if anybody can get five or six goals they've got it and they they well at the moment we've got a striker Norman Wabo who's on five he got his goals early on in the season and Michael Chambers a centre back equaled that uh, with his goal on Saturday so yeah five each I think the lowest lowest on record is eight to end the season the top goal scorer eight goals that could go couldn't it oh. so another little thing we chatted about off air um Billericke sort of through the years, um, you know, my, my, my club Aldershot would have had a few little battles with Billericke back in the days, in the Ryman Premier days. Um, and then, time, yeah, track, so, yeah, it is before your time. <laughs> He's such a young lad, honestly, I'm, I'm really. Probably, He's so been, young. Yeah, I've only been coming down here 10 years. <laughs> um, but the last few years, it's been a hell of a roller coaster in it. And what you said to me is, the main thing, whatever you think of, of, of Glenn Tamblyn, he, he saved the club, didn't he? He's he moved did. on now, quite rightly. Uh, he saved the club. It was kind of falling down a bit, wasn't it? It was. Oh, yeah. We've got a brilliant stadium. And this is the stadium <laughs> he built. What was here before? And so we're standing in front of uh, the main stand. This was a yeah. tiny little covered area. It was very, very small. And I reckon one stiff breeze could have blown out onto the pitch at any moment. It was shocking. I think it was only held up with several layers of paint. I used to lean on it and come away with a white coat <laughs> on my back. It was that bad. But yeah, what we've got here now is absolutely exceptional. Yeah. And then we're lucky with the uh, the owners that have come in since then. They've put in the 3G pitch, mm. which uh, we haven't had a game called off-rage where this time of the season, this there's a good chance this wouldn't have been on. If we'd had a little bit of rain over the weekend, this could have been called off. Additional income for the club. And it, of course, yeah, massively. you get to build the Billy Ricky Town fans of the future, don't you? Because the kids get to play on it and all of that. Yeah, exactly. Not only that, we're, bear in mind, we've been topmost this season. We're averaging just under 900 fans a week. So it's a, a lot of them came here when Glenn came in and have stayed. They've sort of, we've got them hooked. Place to me, we just need to keep them here. We talked about the uh, the kids and that being on the pitch here as well, but you've got a pretty pretty decent ladies team as well, haven't you? Uh, women's team. Well, you yeah. don't say ladies anymore. If you, if you say uh, ladies, you've got to say gentlemen, and I don't think they'd get away with it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yes, they're a, they're a very decent side. They're definitely in with a shout of winning the league this season. Uh, so we've got some brilliant players. It's a shame more people don't come down to see them. Uh, unfortunately, one of them is away for nearly the rest of the season because she's been called up to St Vincent and the Grenadines. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I um, emailed their FA November 2020 and eventually um, one of their scouts and their coach got in touch with her and they've called her up and she's out there now. She's in their training camp, doing really, really well by the sound of it. Keep, unfortunately, she keeps sending people photos of just how nice it is out there, <laughs> considering it's not that warm tonight. It's about 28 degrees out there. Oh, the least you could have done is took you out of the support of me. Well, I think if I had any decency, I'm now an unofficial international coach, uh, scout. I should have been called up. Um, but, oh, no, I, it's so pleased she's enjoying it out there. It sounds like she's doing really well, and with any luck, she will be making a full international competitive debut next month against the British Virgin Islands. Well, that was before the St Albans game, Rob, and he'll be, he'll be delighted because it's three wins on the spin now for Billy Ricky. They do remain bottom because of other results but they've given themselves a fighting chance they've got a game in hand on Welling now as well haven't they yeah it's fantastic to see uh, them you know get a third consecutive win they've got real momentum now under Jody Brown and uh, yeah I, I really enjoyed that experience on Tuesday night down at Billericay I was made to feel really welcome and that was even after I admitted to one or two of them that I was actually an Oxford Town fan which didn't go down well in the bar at uh, Villariki. But um, no, really, really good news for them. And I really thoroughly enjoyed uh, the chat with uh, James Nason, who, as you can tell from that chat, he's not shy and retiring, but I had to work hard to get him to uh, 
to actually uh, be the person that kind of spoke up for Billericay that night. He was trying to point me to other people and his mates were saying, come on, James, you know you want to do it. He's a fascinating character, really enjoyable to meet him. And also a word for, for Nicky Hayes, uh, who's not only the club's photographer, but the media guy too. Does a fantastic job down at Billericay. Um, and, and as you get to know one or two of those individuals and you then see those results, you're really, really pleased for them. There's a long way to go, of course, but they've given themselves a, a fighting chance and, and put the fear of God over, you know, some of those teams, third, fourth, fifth from bottom, that might have thought they were almost over dry. Yeah, it's amazing what uh, what a win does. He got one win last week away at Hungerford and all of a sudden, like say, what t- one win turns into two, two wins turn into three. They'll have been disappointed, though, to have got back in the dressing room and seen that Welling had won. Maybe Chelmsford, which... Also drags Chelmsford into it now. That was a big six-pointer down at the bottom, and it was a goal there from Afalabi Akinyemi, who got the winning goal for Welling. Ch- Chelmsford are in uh, are in dire straits, and as you say, Rob, those wins for Welling and Billericay have dragged the likes of Bath, Tunbridge, and Chelmsford in there now. It certainly has, um, and, and just picking through the rest of those results there. Uh, a huge relief for Bath getting, uh, getting themselves a win on, on Saturday. Three points much needed at the right time there, wasn't it? Yeah, as did Tunbridge. Uh, Chelmsford were the only team in the bottom five not to win on Saturday, which is very rare when you're uh, in a relegation battle. There's always one team, or there's always at least a couple of teams that, that slip up, isn't there? And um, it was only one this week, which Chelmsford... Ro- Robbie Simpson will be feeling... Really low, won't he? This morning, uh, certainly, as it over the weekend, because not only they lost, but to see the other teams around them win. It, it kind of they're in a real hole at the minute. It's, it's been a while since they've, they've won as well. Yeah, it will be a difficult one, but um, you know, for all those teams that are now being brought into that relegation scrap, it, it will really focus them on the uh, on the running and, and getting their act together. I think it's going to be a lot of mileage. In that, there's going to be as much interest in in that as there is. You know, only one team can win the title. Only one team also will get relegated um, in the National League South. And, and we talked about this a few times throughout the season. You know, that one or two clubs there might just run their budget a little bit low. You know, try, they've only got to just avoid that bottom place. But there's a few in there now that, are, that have got to try and make sure they do avoid it. Well, look, going to look back at the playoff pitches and, and Eastbourne Borough, really good win for them away at Hungerford. That's four straight wins for them now. And a dramatic game down at Champion Hill. Dulwich were out of the playoff places going into stoppage time. And they also trailed 1-0 at home to Slough Ben Harris with the goal there. But a goal in the last minute of the game from Ibra Sakaji saw them level. Ronnie Vint was then sent off in stoppage time, but they did hold on to get the draw, which meant the elite from St Albans and go back into that last playoff space in seventh. But as I say, they've got the likes of St Albans having at Waterlooville, Chippenham and even Hungerford and even maybe Slough now breathing down their necks, although Slough are five, five points adrift of Dulwich. Chippenham, as I mentioned, they missed opportunity for them. They lost 2-0 away at Tombridge and having a Waterlooville drew. St Albans lost three straight defeats for St Albans. So, Nobody seems to want that last playoff spot at the minute, do they? No, it's an odd one. And, you know, 
when you think about it, it's almost inconceivable, isn't it, that a side can have a player like Sean Jeffers, who's got 31 goals in 40-odd games for St Albans, and not finish in the playoffs. Someone's going to finish the season with 30-plus goals. If he, if he gets his form going again, he could easily finish closer to 40 goals than 30 goals. But it'll feel hollow if they don't actually make the playoffs. Um, I, I, I was looking forward to seeing him play on Tuesday night. And as I think I mentioned in that midweek pod, he only had the one chance and uh, snatched at that a little bit. Um, I can't remember the game three games ago for St Albans, but I know the one in midweek and the one yesterday, they've not scored a goal at all and the goals are drying up. At, uh, at the wrong time in the season for them. As for Dulwich Hamlet, uh, forgive me, the name of the manager won't come to me right now. Gavin Rose. Um, Gavin think, Rose. Yeah, Gavin Rose. I, 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 you know, he's been there a long while. Probably one of the longest serving managers in the National League South. And I think he needs to get Dulwich Hamlet, you know, with their crowds, with their resource, um, with the setup they've got at Champion Hill, which is fantastic. Um, I've only been there once, but I was so, so impressed with the place. Um, and, and they need to be. A team like Dulwich Hamlet, with that sort of clout and their sort of crowd, they've, they've got to be in those playoffs, I think. And uh, Gavin Rose um, knows what it's like to run, to manage that club and, and the expectations and everything else as well. But uh, I think he probably needs that just to uh, to re-cement his, his position in charge there. Do you know what was brilliant as well? Every game in the National League South on Saturday had something riding on it. You know, there was no sort of games where it's like, oh, it's a mid-table battle. There's nothing riding on it. There was something riding on it for nearly every team. Yesterday, every result was was important on Saturday. And, and, and that's what you want at this stage of the season, isn't it? You do. And, and that's particularly hard to come about when there is only one side going down. But it's just the fact that there are quite a few teams involved and not safe yet. Uh, and obviously, we, we talk about it year in, year out. What a fantastic thing the kind of playoffs have been. You know, there's very, very few clubs in any of the three leagues that we cover. Um, there's probably a small handful, maybe four or five in each division, that have got not still got some interest in whether they're going up or, or, or fighting to avoid relegation uh, over this remaining 10, 11, 12 games. Well, Rob, thanks for joining us. Pleasure as always, chaps. Have a good footballing week. So we're going to move on and look at the National League North. As a parent, you want to protect your kids. You know you can't keep them wrapped up in cotton wool forever, but there are some things that you can do, like keeping their vaccinations up to date. Some childhood diseases are on the rise again, like measles and whooping cough, and they can cause severe illness. Childhood vaccinations can help prevent them, so, are your child's vaccinations up to date? To find out more, search online for NHS vaccinations. And in the National League North, a big day at the top of the division, as always, it seems to be. Gateshead continued their winning run, didn't it? But Brackley are on their coattails. It's, it's three points still the gap between Gateshead and Brackley. Both teams won, didn't they? Yeah, it you know it feels like it's going to be a case of who blinks first in in this race at the top of the table at the moment. Um, Gateshead got a really valuable two one win away at Boston yesterday, uh, a first defeat as Boston manager for Paul Cox since he went into the club. Um, but uh, an Owen Bailey goal put Gateshead ahead. Danny Elliott, Danny Elliott leveled from the penalty spot eleven minutes later, but Sedwin Scott's winner 
four minutes into the second half, um, gave Gateshead the victory. They're unbeaten in eight matches now since Fylde went to Gateshead and won there in early February. And they've got seven wins from those eight matches. So their their form is pretty good. Um, you can say the same for Brackley Town as well. They remain in second place, just three points behind Gateshead, but with a game in hand. Goal difference, um, not quite so good. So it's going to require Gateshead dropping some points where Brackley picked them up in, in order for them to overtake them, but you wouldn't rule that out. Um, Brackley got another a big win. It wasn't a big win on the in terms of the scoreline, but it was a big win in terms of significance with a 1-0 victory over Kidderminster Harriers yesterday. Uh, Leon Love headed the winner in the 78th minute. Brackley now unbeaten in 12. They last lost against Kettering just two days into 2022. So they're on a great run. Kidderminster slipped to fourth. Not so great for them. Um, they won three games straight after their FA Cup epic with West Ham in early February, but are now winless in their last five games and haven't scored in their last four, which when you consider how free scoring Kidderminster were at points of the season with the likes of Hemmings and Sterling and Morgan Smith and Sam Austin contributing goals, um, they, they've dried up. There's no other, there's no other word for it. What's amazing with Brackley as well, they've only conceded 18 goals this season. That's pretty remarkable after 31 games, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, there, there, there is a contrast between Brackley and Gateshead uh, at the top. I mean, if you are a neutral, you might be looking and saying, well, you know, which of those teams would you rather see in the National League next season? And I do feel it's it's likely to be one of those two that's the automatic promotion winners now. They do go about things in a slightly different way. Um, Gateshead are the more yeah, are the more potent side. They've got a really um, uh, a forward line that contributes an awful lot of goals, um, and their style is probably slightly easier on the eye than Brackley. But you've got to admire Brackley for their you know defensive resilience and their organisation, their teamwork. They just do not concede. If you get into um, yeah, if you fall behind to Brackley then the chances are you're not going to get something out of the game. They're that good defensively. So it really is a little bit of a um, a, a choice of being which one you'd prefer. And, and, you know, there's no set way of winning a game of football, is there? They both go about things in different ways, but they both get it done. Yeah, filed would slot out the box against Telford on Tuesday, as we saw, but uh, they wouldn't slot out the box on Saturday, would they? No, they weren't. A first win um, at Mill Farm for uh, new manager James Rowe, his third game in charge. They uh, they took charge of this one fairly early on. Uh, it had it wrapped up by half-time goals from Jamie Stott, Nick Horton, with I think he's something like his 21st of the season, and Danny Phyllis-Kirk. Um, Fylde also gave a debut to Kyle Morrison, who they signed from uh, National League North. I won't call them rivals, but uh, fellow National League North side Leamington on Friday for an undisclosed fee. Probably not a surprise that Kyle Morrison um, has made a step up to full-time football. He has caught the eye very much since he went to Leamington. A 3-0 win for Fylde as a uh, Alfreton just didn't seem like they're ever in this one. They slipped to 15th with that defeat and Fylde climb into third place in the table over Kidderminster as a, as a result of Kidderminster's current woes. Yeah, below them, uh, below Kidderminster, Charlie are having a bit of a an inconsistent few weeks. They lost at home to buy the result, which uh, you wouldn't have been too happy with, Dickie, either. No, it'd have been an unexpected one, this one, I have to say. Although 
Chorley's form isn't terrific at the moment. Uh, I mean, I've noted on this podcast a couple of times, I remember when I've, I've made my notes for it, that Chorley have been on a couple of really lengthy unbeaten runs this season. Um, but at the moment, this is their most inconsistent period of the season. They seem to follow up a, a, a win with a defeat and then back to winning again. And, and I suppose that might trouble Jamie Vimiglio a little in that he's not entirely sure what he's going to get from his side at the moment. Um, Robbie Dale, um, the Blythe Spartans, Evergreen, um, a forward scored a 50th minute winner for them yesterday and they they hung on for that one which they really needed they'd lost four in a row since lo- uh, winning 3-2 at Southport um, and it was very definitely a, a required result for Blythe Spartans given the way that the results at the bottom of the table went for everybody else surely staying fifth after that result yeah the two teams in the last two playoff places Southport and York met and over recent weeks, not conceded many goals. So of course, it was a six-goal thriller, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, yeah. I don't think necessarily. We might have called this possibly in terms of the result, but not in terms of the scoreline. It is probably the most entertaining game of the day in National League North from from just looking at uh, at the the scoreline. Uh, the teams in sixth and seventh. Neither did much to pull away from the, the the teams that are chasing them for those final playoff places. But ultimately, I suppose both of them might be happy with um, a point. Ultimately, York drew in midweek. So their unbeaten run continues. They're up to 12 unbeaten. They've had, they've had a couple of draws recently. They've also got an FA Trophy semi-final to look forward to um, against Bromley. Niall Watson, son of Southport manager Liam, gave them a lead in the seventh minute. Uh, Paddy McLaughlin levelled on the stroke of half-time. Dylan Vasolo put Southport ahead again, but then goals from Jack McKay and Ollie Dice and 10 minutes apart had York in the lead. But top scorer Jordan Archer took aim and found the target in the 88th minute for Southport to claim them a point. As I mentioned below, York with Boston. Um, they obviously missed out on the opportunity. As I mentioned earlier, they lost on the gate. And below them, also another team to miss out were, were Hereford, another, a third straight draw for them. And that's no win in five now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've noted there, you know, York and Southport, I wouldn't say slipped up, but, you know, they only gained a point each. Hereford didn't do enough to close the gap on them, a 1-1 draw um, with Darlington at Edgar Street. Mo Fall put the Bulls into an early lead, but Jack Lambert equalised in the 72nd minute. So Hereford stay in eighth, Darlington in 12th. I think they're something like seven or eight points shy of the last playoff place now. So you'd feel that Darlington's playoff Hopes, which have been there, are are drifting. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm led to believe that also Darlington picked up uh, the services of Adriano Moke after he left Spennymore as well. So um, they they've strengthened their squad a little bit. But yeah, didn't draw any closer. Here's an Ashton. It's only one win in five for them. Now another team who, well, they're still punching above the weight a little bit, aren't they? Um, but they surprisingly lost at home to. Farsley, what was it, a bizarre game, Dickie? And much needed win for Farsley, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was a huge result for, for Farsley Celtic yesterday. And um, not so great for Curzon. As I said, Curzon drew in midweek at York City, a goalless draw. Um, and probably would have been looking at this as a, 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 a an eminently winnable game. But it didn't turn out that way. Um, things are really heating up for that single relegation position in National League North now. And when you're at the bottom of the table, you don't really care where the goals come from. Farsley Celtic yesterday put into the lead in the 11th minute by their goalkeeper Kyle Trenary. Um, a clearance downfield from him to him 
uh, or a, a back pass played to him um, was thumped long downfield by Trenary, bounced over Chris Renshaw in the uh, Kurs National net, and they got a 1 0 lead. Dave Sires then added a second in the 33rd minute. Um, Tom Pierce got a goal back for the Nash with 10 minutes left on the game. But um, yeah, a, a really important victory. Farsley stay bottom, but importantly, what they didn't allow is for those teams that are above them to to get away. I think there was only one team in the bottom five yesterday that that, that lost. The other four won. So in the context of that, you know, they they the, the gap didn't widen. Kurz Nashton, however, they stay tenth after that result. Strange, and we mentioned it in the National League South. It's very rare that we see it happen, and the same thing happened in the North. Only one team in the bottom five lost, and, and that team was Geisley. Yeah, they did. Um, Geisley have got some important fixtures uh, coming up. Um, they were away at Leamington yesterday. It was a, a notable occasion for the breaks as well. They had manager Paul Holleran celebrating his 600th game in charge of the Warwickshire team. That's some achievement given the, um, uh, the the way that teams change managers. But, you know, his, his longevity there is, is, is legendary. You know, he's, he's helped to build Leamington in the club that they are. They were able to celebrate with a win yesterday. Uh, Devin Kelly Evans, brother of Dion from Notts County, he got the winner on the hour mark. Um, Geisley do have games in hand at the bottom, but they stay in 21st. And they've got a a huge game against AFC Telford United on Tuesday evening. Yeah, and if Geisley win that, they leapfrog Telford, which meant it was a vital win for your boys on Saturday. Yes, it was another one of the teams that recorded uh, a victory the, at the bottom and much needed. Dare I say, pretty comfortable and confident by Telford as well. Liam Nolan was the star for them. He couldn't play at AFC Fylde in midweek because they're his parent club. He's on loan to the Bucks. Uh, he returned to the side, put Telford ahead in the 12th minute um, after a corner was cleared to him, firing in from about 10 yards, then headed the second from another corner in the 52nd minute. Um, Paul Carden understandably was thrilled with both the result and the performance. Telford led 2-0 against Alfreton two weeks ago and, and collapsed and lost that game 3-2, but they didn't show any signs of relinquishing their grip on this one yesterday. Um, pretty disappointed uh, joint manager of Spennymore, Bernard Morley, said afterwards you, you can't coach desire and intensity. Obviously felt those things were lacking from his side. Um, they were lacking a goalkeeper for the last quarter of the game as well. Jordan Amisser was dismissed in the 67th minute for lashing out with his hand at Jason Oswell. Harry Flatters went in goal for the Moors, but I don't think this scoreline flattered Telford at all 2-0 uh, and a very well-deserved victory. They stay in 20th place and spend more in 11th. There are two mid-table battles. Uh, Gloucester, I think we can class them as mid-table now, can't we? Dickie along with Bradford Park, haven't you? They would... 2-1 away at Bradford Park and you Chester beat Kettering a really welcome home win for them uh, by four goals to nil yeah I don't think Bradford and Gloucester City will necessarily I don't think they should be counting themselves out of it although they are just I think they're perhaps just slightly farther enough ahead to not get drawn into it but again I know Telford have got to play Gloucester in the next few weeks. So that's another big game coming up. Telford's next four games actually are away to Geisley, away to Farsley, then at home to Blythe Spartans and at home to Gloucester. The four teams that sit either below them or above them immediately in that bottom five. So it's a really critical period for them. Um, Gloucester got a really important 2-1 win yesterday away at Bradford Park Avenue. 
Lucas Tomlinson put them ahead close to half time. Simon Richmond leveled for Avenue, but Matt McClure got the winner in the 79th minute for Lee Mansell's team. So that's a really important victory for them. Yeah, Chester against Kettering, a big, big victory for Chester this one. I don't know what happened with Kettering, but they got blown away in the second half by the sound of things. Chester in 16th. The Poppies have drifted down to 13th in the table. I think their playoff hopes have uh, have gone with a run that they're on currently. They're winless in four and have had three straight defeats. So, um, yeah, Matt Sargent put Chester into the lead in just the second minute. Um, and in the second half, goals from Declan Weeks, Marcus Dackers and Matty Waters completely took the game away from Kettering and got a really valuable three points for Chester. Well, uh, Dickie, thanks for joining us. No, you're very welcome. It's always a pleasure to be in your company. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to us. Give us a follow on Twitter as well, at an helpful time. It's the same on Instagram. Have a great week and we'll see you all next week. <laughs>